0: There was a study that was done, I think, in Google. I think it was a 10-year study where they surveyed the employees and the best leaders of the company, and they found what were the top five skills that an employee has who is considered to be a top leader in the organization. And One of the top five skills was coaching. That is their ability to look at their team members and help them navigate change, help them navigate their life, their goals.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode for Superhumans at Work. We're going to have Ajit Nawalka share some amazing insights about the power of coaching, especially during this crisis. I also want to give a heads up for those of you who listened towards the end, I included a new segment we're going to be doing about Ask Me Anything or an AMA. Whether you have questions about being a superhuman, some deeper dive on any of the past content, or general questions about Valley or my life on how I operate, be sure to send me an email at jason at mindvalley.com. And of course, I just want to say a big thanks to everyone who is listening to the show. I hear your feedback, I hear your reviews. And it's amazing to read, it motivates me to keep going and bring you the best content for all you superhumans out there. Take care and enjoy the show. Hi everybody, this is Jason Campbell. Welcome to Superhumans at Work. The guest that I have today is one of the co-founders of Mind Valley who's actually leading the division where we help a lot of individuals develop their skills as coaches. And as we're in the middle of these worldwide epidemic, we're talking about the COVID virus, a lot of us are finding ourselves at home. And what we wanted to bring forward is a conversation of what does the role of coaching have to play. For leaders, for team managers, and for individuals, while we're going through these times that typically have a lot more stress, a lot more anxiety, and really helping us navigate this with this important skill set that I think everybody should nurture. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about what are those key skills, how practical they can be, not only in the virtual setting that most of us find ourselves today, but how you can nurture this as a skill to bring back when everything goes back to. "Quote unquote, normal. Ajit, as I mentioned, has been involved with Mindvalley since the beginning. He has spoken in elite masterminds around the world and has written two books, such as Live Big, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Passion, Practicality, and Purpose, as well as the author of The Book of Coaching for Extraordinary Coaches. And we're going to dive into an extraordinary conversation. And so Ajit, thank you so much for taking a few moments and joining us on the podcast.
0: Thank you for inviting me, Jason. I think it's a very relevant conversation
1: we're going to have today. So thank you for bringing it up. So I wanted to start right from your situation. Whereabouts are you and how have you been affected by this?
0: So I'm in Los Angeles, California right now, and we are social distancing. It's kind of a shutdown, but not really a shutdown. Like it's been advised to maintain, stay at home and not really go if it's not essential. It's a request from the governor, and, and most of the services are closed right now here. Restaurants are closed, any gyms are closed, schools are closed. We just had an announcement today that any kid that is in school right now may have to repeat the year, because they may be shutting down the public schools for the whole year now. And so that effectively means everybody is at home, working from home, and only needing essential services.
1: Mm. And so you're leading a team as well right now. And so how has your team pivoted in these times? Because I feel like you already had quite a remote team. Isn't that right? Absolutely.
0: I would say 90% of the team is remote. I am in Los Angeles. As you know, our headquarters of Valley are in Malaysia. Some of my team members are there. Some of my team members are in South America. Some of them are in Europe. So we are a very global team. We've always been a virtual team. And because of that, it's not necessarily pivoted in the sense of we're not trying to find new way to work together because we were never really physically together anyways. We were very virtual. But what we have pivoted is we have understood that the landscape of the people we serve or help which our coaches, because we are in coaching education, has tremendously changed in the past two weeks since this virus has really taken momentum and world leaders have started to take account of what is happening. And because of that, most of the companies have been requested to not operate in their physical spaces and go virtual, which, of course, completely changes the paradigm because while me and my team is designed in a way where we always love the freedom of being virtual and being able to work from wherever we want to be, And that allowed us to have a global team. Most companies don't have that liberty. Most employees come to an office and work from an office, which has created a huge gap because suddenly leaders who were always used to turning around and looking at their team member and trusting them because they can see them work, have to find a whole new level of trust because they just have to believe that their team members are working. The leaders that were until now saying, all right, I'll clock in and clock out an employee, cannot clock in and clock out an employee, right? Because there you are in a virtual world. The meetings that were previously done with, all right, even if somebody was dialing in virtual, were turning off their cameras because what you really focused on were the people in the room. Now that's not the case because everybody is virtual, which means the way the meetings are being run is completely different. The amount of time people are spending with families, with their kids, They're not used to that. Kids go to school. They come back from school. Dad's tired. Mom's tired. And you know, you come back. You hang out for a couple of hours. It's amazing and beautiful. Now the kids are jumping off the walls because they're young kids. They need to get out. They can't go out. Parks are closed. Beaches are closed. There is no place where they can go play. They can't meet their friends. So they're all in the house trying to manage all that kid energy. People who are in relationships, of course, they have a different challenge. They never spend that much time with their partner. They were spending a couple of hours a day. Now they're spending 12, 13, 14 waking hours a day with their partner. It's a lot of changes that is happening in everybody's life. And not to mention individuals who are single, who are living all by themselves. This is the greatest case of isolation, mental health challenges that are starting to creep up and people are starting to report because you can only work those many hours in a day. If you can't meet a friend and virtual connection is not really working out for you, it's really difficult. So times have changed really quickly and the world is starting to realize how important it is to stay connected and learn from each other and so forth. And because of that, of course, that is a new world for people, right? We've never experienced something like this before and hence comes in coaching because this is the only place or this is the only technique, this is the only art form where we support people to manage change. Change that is not life-threatening per se. The virus itself is life-threatening, but people who are maintaining the distance and isolation, it's not life-threatening. You are isolated, though. You're having mental challenges. You're having relationship challenges, work challenges. Coaches are built to solve that problem. That is literally the superpower of a good coach, is to be able to create transition, support transition, and support changes. And so right now, our community is in this place where, people are asking more and more people to come in and help out in the organizations and different verticals of the organization. But at the same point of time, coaches haven't really adapted to this new reality, and there are not enough of them in the marketplace to be able to serve all these different companies and individuals that are requiring more help.
1: So, when we talk about this idea of coaching, I'd love to take a step back because is coaching something that you always just need to look at externally, like you need a coach? Or is there a lot of responsibility that we can take for self coaching? Because it seems like in this whole crisis, in this moment of change, we're all jumping into this kind of fight or flight response, which gets us in a state of like panic and anxiety. I mean, I don't want to throw that as the paradigm that most people are having, but I would say I've seen the cases of that. And so, How do we define what coaching is more specifically? And is this something we can nurture within ourselves?
0: Absolutely. Actually, one of the things that we do teach is how do you self-coach yourself? So you can actually coach yourself in case that is something that is more present to you, that's something that you're more comfortable with. Coaching is basically change management, but done from a lens of almost like looking out inwards, right? So how can we step out of ourselves and our reality to be able to look at ourselves and be able to see what's really happening? not what we think is happening, but what is factually happening, right? And be able to make a pragmatic question to it or pragmatic argument towards it so you can then move forward to have a more effective plan that can lead you to not be in that state. So can you coach yourself? Absolutely. Can you get a coach? Absolutely. Can your company get a coach? Absolutely. All of these things are possible. Coaching is just a skill. For that matter, any good leader, by default, has learned the skill of coaching. They may not identify themselves as a coach, which is fine because coaching is a fairly new term that has been coined outside of the sports field. So it's not so well known as to what a coach does and what is the role of a coach in a company or even in life. And hence people may not realize, but a good leader is always a coach. For that matter, there was a study that was done, I think in Google, I think it was a 10 year study where they surveyed the employees and the best leaders of the company and they found what were the top five skills that an employee has who is considered to be a top leader in the organization. And one of the top five skills was coaching. That is their ability to look at their team members and help them navigate change, help them navigate their life, their goals, help them navigate the conversation that's happening around them, to be able to be that outside lens, to help people, to be able to look at themselves differently so they can ask a better question of themselves.
1: And I'd love to dig into something you said that I thought was fascinating, which is you need that outside perspective to look within yourself because in the moment you're kind of caught within your own thoughts. What's going on there? Why does it seem so hard to kind of step into a mindset that thinks more long-term when it seems like everything you're doing is just being in that state of mind, which is just like, I need to consume more news. It's almost like a frantic looking around. So like, why is it so hard for us to step back and realize, okay, these are the facts and I need a plan. It seems so obvious when you say it from the outside. It happens
0: because we are emotional beings, right? We are human beings. We run on emotions. And because we are running on emotions all the time, all our decisions are emotions-based. Emotions are not a long-term thing, right? Any emotion that you identify right now, you could be excited and you could be sad in a matter of minutes, right? And so emotions are very short-term. They're happening all the time. While we're having this conversation, somebody's listening to it, one person's getting excited about what we're talking about, another person may be like, I don't understand these guys, I'm getting frustrated with us, right? It is very subjective and it's very individualistic towards the person, but it's something that is very passing. It'll pass today to tomorrow to a minute before and a minute later. But that's how we respond to life, right? To life, we are responding based on whatever's emotion is coming up. If the emotion is frustration, you'll stop the video, walk away from it. If excitement, you will want to watch it all over again. It is the emotion that is driving your behavior. And because emotion is driving behavior, you're always being in the short-term because your emotion is short-term. Your emotion is not long-term. What's long-term is how you look at life and how pragmatic you are about it and how much structure you have around it. There's a quote that I remember from this gentleman called James Clare, and he talks about how people think motivation will get them results. I'm paraphrasing him, so I'm probably butchering what he says exactly, but what he meant was that people think motivation will drive behavior and motivation will drive success. But what really drives success is the process, is what's your process to deal with situations that are happening every day in life? Because the process itself will trump motivation over an extended period of time because motivation is like emotion. It fluctuates every second, every minute, right? There's a famous author called Dan Brown who in his class says, People think I am creative, and I'm a creative writer. Again, I'm paraphrasing him. People think I'm creative, but writing is not about creativity. Dan Brown has written like many best-selling novels at this point. Writing is not about creativity. It's about having a system and having a process towards writing. If you wake up every morning and you have set number of hours that you write, you will end up writing, and it's about writing the 1,000 words or 2,000 words, 4,000 words every day. So the point, really, that I'm trying to get to is that if you're leaning into your emotions every day, You will always feel like the world is either going really good or really bad because there is no pragmatic or a rational approach to what's really happening. You always have an irrational emotional response that is happening based on many factors that unless you control, you're always a slave to them, right? Say, for example, this is why we sometimes hate the media, right? Because what does media do? Often, it will just say, let's double down on fear. The reason why they double down on fear is because you'll watch more of it, right? I'm not saying everything they do is bad, but sometimes they would do that. Now, if you're somebody who believes media and watches it closely, what is the feed that is coming to you that is driving your emotion? It's all fear-based, all anxiety-based. So your response is going to be fear-based and anxiety-based. But else, if you say, oh, pragmatically, I do need to know my information, but I don't need to take the anxiety out of the news, right? I don't need to capture the anxiety. I just need the information. So I can rationally, factually know what is the truth. If you have just the truth, now you can actually decide if you want to respond and how you want to respond to it. That suddenly changes the attitude towards how you show up in the coming months, in the coming years of your life. And that's really what, even when you're self-coaching yourself, that's really what you're looking for. You're looking for, why am I getting this emotion right now? Say if you're feeling anxious right now, let's say that's really what is paramount to you right now is I'm feeling anxious. Why are you feeling that? There must be something, some circumstance, some event that's happening around you that is giving you that feeling. If you're feeling elated right now, happy right now, it's the same reason. There's some circumstance, an event that's happening around you that is giving you that feeling. If you can say, okay, this is the circumstance that is leading me to this feeling, which means I can either tune out or reframe the circumstance that is happening right now in life for me, I can change my emotions. Or I can do something to get past this emotion because now I know what circumstance created it, what's the other circumstance that I will create that will move me out of this emotion. Say, for example, if news is giving you fear, can movement or just doing a couple jumping jacks or burpees will change your state and you'll move out of anxiety or fear, whatever that is that is happening for you. This is just to give an example of how you can coach yourself out of any situation. You can reframe meanings of when I spend more time with my partner at home right now, there are two things that would happen. You could lean on to their energy and let that govern you and then respond to it. And let's say if one of the energy is not listening to this conversation right now and is having a different response towards what's happening in the world, the narrative will be very different. And what you need to do is you gotta be able to watch it from the outside and say, oh, that's why that circumstance is leading that person to behave that way, who's my partner and I love them but I don't have to respond to them. I have to respond to this other thing that will create a better reaction in me because like I am getting impacted by my partner, my partner is getting impacted by me. Now, if I lean into their energy, capture it, what I'm doing is I'm just feeding the same energy again and again and again. And I'm feeding it, it's going to keep bubbling up and oh, it'll become bigger and bigger. Instead of saying, let me counteract that energy with my energy that is infusing a positive vibe to let's say something that's not so positive. I'm diffusing that energy and creating, hopefully, eventually, a better, more positive energy in that space because we are still going to be with us for at least three, four, six weeks is what it seems like at least at this point when we are recording it. You better manage all these things instead of saying, all right, I'm just going to respond to what happens because that's just going to create more tension and more challenges between everybody that is at home, at work, and so forth.
1: Wow. I feel like I'm in the receiving end of the coaching session right now. And I think for everybody else listening, there's a lot of nuances that were picked up from what we just heard, particularly love the ideas that what you're doing when you're looking at the news is really just picking up on these energies that you can actually make a choice to actually step away from that and really just taking the truth and stop the fear that actually gets propelled from watching it all the time. And then understanding that you need to kind of stake your ground about what plan and what energies you choose to have that you know are the most constructive for you so that you can actually always try your best to step into that. Because as much as what you're saying, I'm like, yep, that makes sense. You know what? I'm going to make that plan. This is what I'm going to choose. And I'm always going to be like this moving forward. And That's not really how it manifests all the time. Because obviously, it seems like I'm still going to find myself being dragged into the emotional states once in a while. So is it a dance? Is it just like you go into it, you come back to your plan, and you're trying as much as possible to get yourself back on plan every time you get yourself swayed off track?
0: Absolutely. So it will happen like we are human beings, right? And Alan Watts says it most beautifully. He says life is not about getting to a point. It's about the dance of life, right? So There's going to be high tones and low tones. You just have to be able to enjoy it. I think the metaphor that he used was music. And he says people think music is about the beats, but it's not. It's about the space between the beats. If you really think about it, that's how music is really created. It's about the distance between the two beats. And that kind of represents how life is. Life has the ups and the downs. The point, really, that we have to get to as individuals is to have the awareness of spotting it when it happens. And when it happens, then going and leaning back into saying, okay, this is an event or a circumstance that is leading me to feel like this right now. What can I do to change it? So will it happen? Yes, all the time. A better question to ask is what will I do when it happens? What will I do when I spot it? What will I do and how will I respond to it when I know, oh, I'm in it?
1: There's a lot of awareness that needs to happen. And I guess the more you practice with these ideas, the better you become. And I would assume that the people that do choose to get themselves an external coach, it becomes this kind of accountability perspective that catches you every time you do so. And I wanted to transition into that because a lot of people are leading teams or working with colleagues and might notice either themselves or noticing someone that they're working with finding themselves getting into this kind of loop of fear or seeing that they're not finding themselves in their best space mentally. What are some of the things or tools that we can practice as we look at our colleagues or we supervise a team and lead a team that are from the coaching world that could allow us to help them, let them be self aware and kind of get back on track?
0: So I'm going to switch the gears, firstly, respond to one of the elements that you said before because it's important to understand. So the reason why you get an external coach is not just for accountability, it's because you cannot see what's happening for you. When you're in the cycle, Most of the time, right? Let's say if we were having a conversation, you were my coach, the only way I'll really get to really understand what's happening for me, because it's my being right now, right? My being is happy or excited, or my being is fearful. So I can't see it. I'm going, I'm not fearful. I'm just being pragmatic, right? You could have the same state and you could perceive it in the way, depending on how you see it. The reason why you get a coach is because a coach actually helps you see things that you otherwise will find it much harder to see. You will find it eventually, but you may take a little bit longer time. So that's the difference. It's not accountability. Accountability coaching is a different thing. And that is, yes, very helpful for people who need accountability. But coaching goes way beyond that. It helps you see things that you can't see otherwise. Now, putting that on aside, what can we do right now if we are in a workplace? And if we are somebody who is for the first time experiencing a virtual world or having these challenges in the workplace, is to start asking a better question. And the simplest thing and the easiest thing that you can do, and again, I'm doing a catch-all, and it's not always going to be applicable, but it's going to be applicable a lot of times, is instead of thinking about now, think about three months, six months, or even a year from now. And there's a reason why I suggest that. Like we were talking about previously, emotions are going to come in and go out all the time, especially in a situation like this, especially when you're with yourself in front of your screen all day long, right? Because you don't have much of the workspace. You don't have the chatter that you had before at the water cooler and so forth, right? Which means you're just with yourself. Or even if you're talking to your team members, you're talking on a screen, which means your mind has so much space to come up with stories right now. And the stories are only going to go the direction you want to take them. The better story to tell is don't worry about right now. Worry about what happens six months from now or a year from now. How will you respond post all this is over? The reason why you change that narrative or take that narrative is because the moment you lean into the future, the current challenges look very small. Say, for example, if you are working with a team right now and you have a group of team members and this is the first time they're operating virtually, you as a team leader or the owner of the company is asking yourself the question, how do I get these people to learn how to use Zoom? Let's say that's the platform of choice that we're doing, right? So it's like, how do I get them to use Zoom? Instead of that, if you ask the question, how will I have the most effective virtual company? It will have a very different response. Zoom becomes irrelevant. Your current challenges become irrelevant because what you're building for is the future. And because when you build for the future, the current reality actually becomes much easier to deal with because your challenge is so much greater that your brain finds the answer to the immediate problem without having any anxiety towards it. You can take out the emotion and be pragmatic because now you're thinking about how I'm going to be even further in this journey a year from now. So this is a catch-all thing that usually for most anxieties and fears right now would work. And it's a simple thing. You can do it right away. Take out a journal. You can take a life book exercise if you want to take. We have that at Mind Valley. If you want to just take something simple, go ahead and search for three most important questions of admission. Take that as an exercise something that will just help you. If nothing else, do journaling. Just sit down with your notepad and write. Write where you would like to be, how it will look like in six months from now, a year from now, whatever that is for you. These are three simple techniques. I think we have videos for each one of them on the Mindvalley channel that you can at least get a glance of what they are and how to get started with them. So if nothing else, do any one of those exercises and that will help you get into a state that will help you look at the future instead of getting caught up in what's happening right now. It'll help your teams as well because you'll start to find a very different conversation, very different answer than what you may be trying to tackle right away.
1: And it sounds like this is an exercise that somebody can do at any level within the organization. I mean, as an individual, I could even say, okay, what well, I want to do in the next 6 to 12 months, and whether it's from a departmental level, even individual productivity level, you could really say, like, how could I become the most effective and efficient person in the process? And for anybody listening, I would highly encourage that you look for the working from home productivity mini quest that I've designed that will make made available for everybody for free on the Valley platform. So at least you can say, maybe I can use this as an opportunity to be the most effective that I can be. Now, Aji, I wanted to switch to like, really, if I see an individual, like, how do I help another? How is it that I can use a skill of coaching? And how is it that I can be maybe in a team meeting, able to help another?
0: So that would be a skill that may take a little minute to develop if you've not already worked on it. And that's why I said it's not a skill that is required for right now. It's a skill that if you want to be an effective leader, it's a skill you want to consider for sure. The best way to help somebody is to be able to be present and hear them out and be able to ask them a question that's a bigger question when they are expressing something to you. Not to ignore their challenge, but to listen to the challenge and then say, is there a better question to ask? So let me extrapolate that with an example so it's a little bit easier to understand what is it that I really mean. So say for example, if Jason came to me and he said, and this is just so that we can do kind of a little bit of a role play, came to me and said, Hey, Ajit, you know what? I'm finding this very challenging because my wife's out of work. She's a dentist and no dentist is right now working because all those services are closed and she doesn't know how to deal with it. And I still have my job, but I don't know, man. It feels like our income's down like really, really badly. And I don't know what to do. I'm feeling really stressed. While Jason is saying all of this to me, what's happening for Jason is if I don't try to give him a solution right now, is that he's being able to finally express everything because he is saying this to me right now, or if I'm saying this to Jason right now, it's the reason why I'm saying it because I haven't had the opportunity to say it, just to say it out loud, right? To be present and doing exactly what you're doing, Jason, right now, which is to say, Hey, I'm present with you. I'm listening to you. I hear you and have that presence in that communication. Allows this person to continue to express and let it all out. Now, know that while this person is letting it all out, you need to make sure that your mental dialogue is not taking it on as your dialogue, right? You're just listening to the person, letting it all out. Because here's one beautiful thing about all human beings we are all amazingly intelligent, smart people. All of us are. All human beings are. We just need the right opportunities and everything. At least that's my belief. And because of that, what happens? is that once they've expressed it all, once they have kind of let it all out, they feel lighter. They feel like, oh, I've expressed it. And while they're actually telling you all these things, they're actually finding solutions because they're suddenly going, oh, okay, so I have this challenges. What can I do? Maybe I don't have to spend that much money on coffee every week. Maybe I don't have to order the most expensive coffee that I usually order for myself, you know, so on and so forth. Maybe I can delay those shopping expenses that I was going to make. Maybe I'll cancel my Europe trip this time. Will that save us money? Maybe. And it's a short-term solution for the person. What really is happening, though, as a colleague is they're able to say it, and it's out in the universe. It's out of their system. It doesn't bother them anymore. What you could do even more effectively at that time is to ask them a question which relies on their intelligence. And that's the one beauty of coaching that some people don't realize is that sometimes, as coaches, we don't even know the answer. All we know is to be able to ask the right question. So say in a situation like this, you could ask something like, And what can we do about that or and what would the world look like once we come back from this situation because let's say this will last two months say five months say six months will your wife still have the dentist degree that she has and can resume her practice the answer is probably yes for the person individually in the situation that we're talking about well then is this really that big a problem is this really a temporary problem is this a permanent situation you are in and questions would vary based on the person and the situation of course right And sometimes you don't even have to ask a question. And that's why I'm giving so many parameters right now. And that is why it depends on how skilled you are and and how you have taken the opportunity to really listen to the person and be able to say, what's the best question I can ask this person right now that will help them not lean into their fears and challenges and anxiety, but be able to ask the question of what's the future going to look like? What is it that we can do on the long term? So the best thing we can do for our colleagues is to let them lean into exactly what I want you guys to lean in, everybody who's listening and watching this, is lean into the future. Don't worry about the present as much as this is going to pass. And we will learn through it as humanity. We will grow through it as humanity. But this will pass. The best thing you can do right now is to say, How will I come out of it on top? What am I going to learn from it? Am I going to be healthier because of this? Am I going to be more careful when I drive my car to different places? Am I going to be more careful about what I eat and how I work out? Because currently we are all asking ourselves the question, is my immunity good enough, right? I don't know. So what can I do in the future to not have to ask that question if it happens ever again? So I think we will change as humanity. Yes, of course. So ask ourselves a better question. Let's ask ourselves what happens a year from now and help our colleagues be able to see that paradigm as well. Now, the only time that question may not work is when you're letting somebody go. And I hope that is not a situation in the company that you're working for or in your own organization. If you own that organization, that's the only time it's harder for somebody to look at the future because it's literally the loss of their livelihood. And at that time, I would invite you to let them do the journaling and the three-year exercise and the five-year exercise, because in three years it will pass. But it will be a really really difficult conversation and that difficult conversation is to be seen individually and i cannot give one trick that will work all the time
1: i I appreciate you coming here and giving us so many insights as well as coaching us through the process for everybody listening here you've given us so many different examples and different perspectives to look at how do we focus more on the long term than the short term and if you're paying attention through this whole conversation a lot of the things we talk about how we need to start moving into this long-term perspective so that we don't emotionally react to everything that's happening around us. Getting a coach is something that can be super powerful to give you that perspective and awareness that can be caught instantly because it's coming from outside yourself into yourself. And what I particularly love is here when you are in a leadership position or just being a colleague, supporting someone else within the workplace, the best thing that you can do is actively listen. And I love how you don't need to be the superhero that comes up with all the answers, which is something I'm often guilty of trying to think like, oh, if somebody's asking me this question or sharing me this, clearly they want to know an answer from me. And that is not the case oftentimes it's about asking the powerful question back because you're not supposed to necessarily know the answer you can actually allow them to be the superhero of their own progress as we're all going through this very quick adaptation and change which as we know for people that are part of the mind Valley ecosystem and really believe in the process of transformation every time we go through challenges it's going to lead to the transformation after and so Hang on tight, everybody do your best. Know that using the skills of coaching is super powerful to develop yourself as a leader, as an individual. And if you have a look at evercoach.com, you can find so many more resources from everything that Mindvalley does to nurture people on becoming better versions of themselves in the process of becoming better coaches for themselves and for others around them institutions around the world right now are really looking for support and the more that we have people that are trained in the skills to ask the powerful questions to help people have their breakthroughs the better we're going to have an amazing transformation through this process of coming together staying at home and eventually going back to normal. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode. And we are now part of this new segment we're introducing, which is an Ask Me Anything AMA. And we have our first question that came in here from Carl Saad. So, first off, Carl, thank you for all the compliments about the podcast. I love hearing this feedback that it's actually something you find very inspiring and it's something you've incorporated in your morning routine. I hope that even though you're not commuting to work anymore, you still find some time to listen to these. Now, As far as the questions you asked, one of the powerful questions were, what do I do in Valley?" and what's a typical day at work in Bali look like for you? So what some of you might not know is I've, I'd say I am lucky enough that my home is actually in Bali, Indonesia. When this whole COVID situation happened, there was a lot of discussion. Should we go back home to our home country? Should we stay here? And we did decide to stay here. I'm here with my partner and a friend. We have a villa and a typical day usually starts with waking up at six in the morning, And if i don't have any episodes to record which usually are happening at 6 a.m or 7 a.m where i have an hour long with an author we record a new episode for superhumans at work if that is not happening i have a series of daily rituals that i do which include meditation which will be 10 or 20 minutes depending on the time I'll go and unlock this street dog that we brought into our home, give it a bit of food, go for a little walk on the street. Then I'll come back and I'll do 20 push-ups, which is my minimum that I do to get started. But I always try to go to 30 and hopefully I'll be back to 50 in no time. I'll take a dip in the pool and I'll journal in a just a notebook that I keep. And this is all the grounding exercises I do within an hour's time that get me really ready for a day of productivity. Then I actually block off my... 7 to 8 a.m to write my book so i'm writing a book on selling with love so every morning i take some time to go and add a few lines in there as long as i can get 250 words in there i feel happy but if i can get into a state of flow i'll keep going for the entire hour i actually went through a program called scribe writing they're an amazing self-publishing company that give you protocols on how to write a book if you are interested in doing such i highly recommend you look at the scribe book club they actually offer their entire course on how to write a book for absolutely free now we're here at 8 a.m. I feel like I've accomplished a lot, but 8 to 9 a.m. is personal time. I have breakfast. I usually go pick up coffees because we are not in quarantine here. Pick up some coffee, pick up some croissant, and then I'll get a chance to share that with my my partner as well as our friend that stays with us. And we'll have a moment of just connecting. And then once nine o'clock starts, that's when I sort out my day. I actually put together a productivity training, which will be announced to everyone on the podcast because it's coming out this weekend. And there, I'll sort out my entire day what tasks I wanna do. I'll schedule the deep work sessions. I'll look at the meetings that I have coming up and I will work solid until 6 p.m. with a lunch time that I'll just take some time to disconnect, recharge and get back in a flow starting at 1.30 in the afternoon. At nights, I will take the time to go and do a deep workout. I'll actually spend some time having dinner again with my partner and I'll make sure to go to bed early enough so the next day I can come back charging. And so the things that I actually do at Valley will involve meeting with teams, helping them with their productivity, ensuring that we have a sales pipeline that is optimized and flowing, that we're networking, connecting with authors, future authors, current authors, helping the current authors do some more promotions within the clients that we generate for them. And so a lot of what I do is dealing with externals within Mindvalley as well as training the team themselves. So this was a really good question, Carl. I hope this brought some light to anybody out there as well. And another question that I think actually ties both questions you asked, which is about my own growth mindset and open-mindedness to innovation and change. Some of you might have went through the process of Lifebook. It's a Valley product, which I highly recommend, but we're very lucky that as an organization, we actually bring Valley products to all of our team, which makes every team member more productive. If you are part of an organization and you know this would be amazing to have the kinds of things we teach at Valley available to your entire team, be sure to go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhumans, and that you can see everything that we do for businesses at Mindvalley, which is amazing. You can empower your entire team to have access to personal growth products from Mindvalley ranging from Lifebook as well as all the other quests that I've been through that help me with my personal mastery and keep my goals aligned to what I want. So Carl, once again, thanks for those questions. For everybody else, if you have any questions, don't be shy to send an email jason at mindvalley.com for productivity tips, some more insights that I can share from being a superhuman in the workplace or just life questions in general. And I will see you on the next episode.